Greetings in Jesus' name. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. The uh, lesson tonight is about gifts. We've just come through Christmas, and one of the wonderful things about Christmas for all the children is gifts. I heard the story from Steve Longenecker when we were living in Alabama about how he came back from Christmas family gathering and there was a big pile of gifts. And there was a young toddler, I think his nephew, who was distributing the gifts. There was a little problem, though, because the nephew wasn't old enough to read. And you know how gifts usually have a little ticket or a card on them? To so-and-so, from so-and-so. Anyway, this little boy wasn't able to read yet, so he would pick up a gift and he would go stand by his daddy and, and ask, who gets the gift? And his daddy would read, to Delvin from Barbara. And so the boy would go give the gift and he'd grab another gift and come back and pull on his daddy's uh, clothes because his dad would be talking, who gets the gift? And eventually the dad would say, okay, this gift goes to that person. The little boy was kind of like the FedEx man, wasn't he? He was just delivering the gifts. Well, this is a scripture, one of a number of scriptures, where we read about spiritual gifts and how Jesus has given gifts to the church. All kinds of different gifts and blessings. And we as Christians are kind of like the little boy. It's our job to ask God, who gets the gift? Sometimes it's pretty obvious. If it's two in the morning and you hear a little baby crying and you're the mother, it's pretty obvious that the, uh, the gift of love and attention and care that your baby needs uh, is right then. Sometimes it's not as clear. There may be a lot of different things crowding in in our minds. You may have an e email box that's full of all kinds of things and you may have to decline some things because you can't be more than one place at once. But God has a plan. He has a plan for each one of us. And so if you found this uh, scripture, Ephesians 4, uh, go ahead and stand. And I'm going to read this in the King James Version. We'll read the first 16 verses. Some of the questions we're going to try to answer tonight is, who receives the gifts? Who gives the gifts? What are some of these gifts? How do these gifts function in the church? The purpose and the function of these gifts. So in verse 7, we're going to see at least some of the answer to who receives the gifts. In verse 8 and 9, who gives the gifts. Verse 11, what are some of these gifts? And then verses 12 through 16, how do these gifts work in the church? Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 
Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it that, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Father in heaven, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for your great love that sent Jesus the greatest gift of all, and through him the gift of salvation, that we can be saved from our sins, for we deserved death. But the gift from you was eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we praise you, Father, for sending your Son. We thank you, Jesus, for being that wonderful gift. And we thank you that you haven't left us alone. You haven't left us as orphans. But you placed us in a family, the church. And we thank you for this teaching about the church. And I pray that as we study these verses, that we would uh, find our hearts growing in gratitude for what you have done for us and what you are doing and what you will do in the future. Thank you for each person who's here tonight. Bless us together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, the book of Ephesians has about 155 verses, and it's divided into six chapters. The first three chapters are kind of doctrinal. They're a little more theoretical. The last three chapters are very practical. And this is often how Paul's writings are. He often kind of lays the groundwork in the first chapters of his letters. <clears throat> and then as he gets uh, further into him, he gets very practical. So probably... The most common time we'll see Ephesians turn to is when there's a sermon on families or relationships or uh, weddings. There's roles of wives and husbands. Uh, in the last chapter, there's on spiritual warfare, how we can be strong in the Lord and have all the spiritual armor, which is really Jesus. As we put on the spiritual armor, we're actually putting on Jesus. But this chapter... Uh, four talks about different things and um, I decided to uh, study it in relation to verse 7 and 8 and that is this matter of spiritual gifts the title of this message could be he gave gifts unto men that's the end of verse 8 or it could be entitled Jesus and his gifts to the church or, if you like the opening story about this little boy, you could even call it, Who Gets the Gift? Because I hope as we go home, we'll be praying 
God, who do you want me to give something to today? Because the real joy in Christian living is living a life that's focused on others. Those of you that are married know that. If you want to be happy in your marriage, it isn't by talking to your spouse about how they should be making you happy. But the real joy, joys in marriage come as you start thinking of ways you can try to make your spouse happy. It's, it's a scriptural principle. He that waters others will be watered himself. And even though it's a blessing to receive gifts, I like to get gifts. Who doesn't like to get gifts? There's even a greater blessing than receiving a gift, and that's giving a gift. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. So I really hope that we all will go away tonight thinking about praying this prayer. Who gets the gift? Now, maybe it seems like a proud thing to think of yourself as a gift, but we all are, aren't we? God created each one of us in his own image, and he didn't make trash. And if he cares about the birds, and he watches a bird fall, and he knows the number of hairs on our head, which for some of us is getting probably less year after year, we don't even know how many hair we have. No one knows, but God knows that. He knows our thoughts before we think them. And so he has a plan for each one of us. And he has a plan for us as a church. And it's so neat on a Sunday night to look out and see a whole sea of faces here. God bless you for coming. And, well, where was I? I'm getting sidetracked with my audience. Let, let's get back to a verse 1. Paul starts this chapter, Ephesians 4, by saying, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And when you see the word therefore... It's good to try to figure out what it is there for. And usually looking back at the previous chapters would help, but we can't cover chapters 1, 2, and 3. But let me just summarize that chapters 1, 2, or 3 are laying the groundwork for how Christians should live individually, in families, in churches. Um, chapter 1 talks about that we are here for the praise of the glory of his grace. We have been called We've been chosen. We've been predestinated. We've been adopted. That's in chapter 1. And chapter 2 <clears throat> says we've been made alive. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And chapter 2 paints how we were before we met Christ. And then after we're saved, we're now different. And it's not of ourselves. Salvation is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 talks about by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship. We are created with a purpose to serve him and to serve others. <clears throat> now, verses to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 also has the idea of unity. How each of us in verse 1 are to walk as Jesus walked. Each of us in verse 2 are to think as Jesus thought. We're to walk a life worthy of being a Christian. And none of us are worthy in ourselves. But Jesus helps us so that our lives are changed. Those of you that were here this morning heard Pastor Galen talk about how Christians, as Christians, we, and from 1 John uh, we are not made to live in sin, to practice sin. 
we are made to live in righteousness. And our lives are to be characterized by moving away from sin and moving toward righteousness. So chapter 1, this worthy walk is to be walking as Jesus walked. Verse 2, we're to be thinking as Jesus thinks in lowliness and meekness. That's a humble attitude toward ourselves. But then it also says in long-suffering and forbearance. That's toward others. Long-suffering is patience. Forbearance is forgiveness. So we should, as we relate to others, relate to them in an attitude of forgiveness, an attitude of forbearing one another. And then verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's every Christian's job to work for peace and to work for unity. And then he goes uh, into how there's only one God and one Lord Jesus Christ, one Holy Spirit, one faith, one baptism. In verse 7, there's a switch. The word, the conjunction but is used. And it's kind of contrasting, I think, this unity. God has created the church to uh, have this beautiful unity and uh, uh, similarity and oneness. But also, the church is a mosaic. That's a big word that has to do with multicolors. And so he said, even though we are all walking as Jesus walked, thinking as Jesus thought, and having the attitude of Jesus toward ourselves and toward others, there is a huge diversity, a beautiful diversity, just like at Christmas, that whole pile of gifts. They don't look the same. I don't imagine in any of your houses those gifts look the same, different size boxes, different wrappers, even some white envelopes maybe. And the older people know that white envelopes sometimes have the best gifts of all, don't they? There might be some, some green paper in there with photographs of old presidents, and it's like, wow, thank you for this gift. This is just what I needed. Uh, sometimes the other gifts that come in boxes uh, may not be exactly what we hoped for. I've even heard it said that there's been a child quoted as saying something like, is this all we get? Great story. Some of you heard it a number of uh, weeks ago. I think it was told right here on a Sunday evening. Is this all we get? Uh, or I don't like that color. And if you're giving a gift, it feels terrible, doesn't it? When you kind of notice their face doesn't light up with happiness. Well, some more on different kinds of gifts. Uh, we'll, we'll get to maybe come back to this thought. But verse 7 is, to each one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So who gets the gifts from heaven? We all get the gifts. Now, there's general graces or general gifts that God gives to everybody. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He sends the sunshine. But he gives special gifts, special graces to those who are his children to those who by faith have trusted in Christ and have changed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, those who've been adopted into his family. So that's who Paul is writing to. Verse 1 of the letter, he said, I'm writing to the saints that are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So this message, this letter, is to those who are believers. And everyone gets special gifts then he quotes from Psalms in verse 8. 
where it talks about he ascended up on high, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men, first descended onto the earth. Maybe even after he died, he went down into the earth and Peter talks about Jesus preached to the, the uh, spirits of those who had died. And then he ascended up into heaven. He told Mary in the garden, don't touch, my, don't touch me yet because I've not yet ascended to my father. So he went back to God briefly. Then he came back and appeared to many different people. And finally, 40 days later, ascended. And he's coming back. But anyway, Jesus is the source of these gifts. Now, God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're all one. And in James we read, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, who is, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Here it says Jesus is giving the gifts. In Corinthians 12, which is another list of spiritual gifts, it talks about the Spirit distributes the gift. Gifts. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're in the gift-giving business. I looked up this word grace in verse 7. Unto every one of us is given grace. And in my Bible uh, helps dictionary, it said uh, there's different words that could also be translated grace. One is favor. That seemed to be a major one. Kindness, gift, blessing. And actually, it talked about uh, there's the sense in the original language of a leaning toward to share a benefit. And as I was reading that phrase, leaning toward to share a benefit, I thought about what happens sometimes here in the front of the church on this side. There'll be uh, children coming up the aisles. This is after church. The last song is sung. People are starting to talk. And children, some children so young, you've never even seen them go to Sunday school. We're talking like two-year-olds will come. And there's a uh, special sister that has a special gift. And uh, she's a grandmother for some of these children, kind of grandmother to all the children. And she's leaning, leaning toward to share a benefit. You kind of see her reaching because some of the children can't get to her. Sometimes there's other adults around her. And it's a beautiful sight. And that's the picture I got of this word, grace. Sister Fanny reaching out to share a gift. <clears throat> and sometimes we sit in that section of the church, and it's a beautiful thing to hear little children, two, three-year-olds say, what do they say as they get the gift? Thank you. Thank you. How many gifts do we get? every day from God and special gifts from other people. Thank you. This grace is a leaning toward to share a benefit. God freely extending himself to people because he is disposed to bless them. And then I dropped uh, down to another verse. Uh, this was in, I mentioned 2 Corinthians 12. There's actually... Uh, a number of scriptures in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are listed. 2 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Both of them have some really good gifts uh, listed. And in 2 Corinthians 12, oh, well, let me finish. 2 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, Ephesians 4, where we are tonight, and I believe it's 1 Peter 4. We'll get to that later. But in 2 Corinthians 12, it says there are diversities of gifts. We're on this topic now that there's uh, God's created the church to live in unity 
and God's also created the church to live in diversity. There's diversity of gifts. And that word was defined from two Greek words that came together. One is reaching across and the other is choosing. And this is how they kind of described it in the dictionary. God's choice to give endowments of grace to his people so that they can reach out to others as his hand extended. Again, I'm thinking of what happens up here in the front. These, these gifts uh, are reached out from Sister Fanny. It's her ministry to the children. It's a beautiful thing. And it's just a picture to me of God and Jesus reaching out with spiritual gifts to us so that we can share them with others. And you'll see it sometimes. I have seen sometimes children get four packs of Smarties and they don't run off to, to hide them. It's, uh, usually it's her grandchildren. There may be a, three other children in the family. And they go back, and I've watched them. They go back and they share them with others. Another wonderful picture of God giving us gifts so that we can share them with others. All right, we've answered the question, who gets the gifts? All of us get the gifts. Let's go to the next question, who gives the gifts? God, the source. Wow, we're making time on this message, aren't we? We already covered two of our questions. Now, we're ready for what are some of the gifts? Verse 11, there's a number of, of them listed. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if you turn to uh, Romans 12, why don't we turn to Romans 12? There's some other uh, gifts listed here. There's also the attitude we should have toward ourselves. In Romans 12, verse 3, Paul writes, For I say through the grace given to me that every man is to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. I've heard Claire Schnupp speak on this verse saying, that God wants us to think of ourselves not too high, not too low, but as he thinks of us. Think soberly. We can sometimes uh, be thinking too highly of ourselves. That's probably a common problem. But also we can be thinking too lowly of ourselves. Like, I don't have a gift to give. What do I have to give? We all have gifts to give. And we need to think soberly of ourselves. So let's look at some of these gifts from Romans 12. At verse, continuing to read here at verse 4. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesying, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorted or encourageth on encouragement. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, or administration, with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, there are those people who are very dogmatic about uh, the gifts and how many there are. Corinthians 12, I believe, lists nine. And there's some uh, gifts that aren't as clearly defined as gifts. For instance, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts in general. 1 Corinthians 13 says, you should be most interested in making sure that there is love 
in your gift. First Corinthians 13 is a love chapter, but it's in the setting of gifts. And even if you have such a gift of speaking uh, that angels and all languages around the world could hear you, if you don't have love, it's empty. You may have such great faith that you can move huge mountains. If you don't have love, there's nothing to it. <clears throat> Profiteth nothing. Um, and then 1 Corinthians 14, the next chapter, talks about mainly, I think, the abuse of the gift of tongues in the church. It talks about other things, too. So anyway, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, wanting to be dogmatic on how many gifts there are, whether there's 13 or 15 or 18. But there are uh, special gifts that the Holy Spirit has given. There's all kinds of different definitions of this. I read from different <clears throat> places how to summarize this. I found no better summary than in the Mennonite Confession of Faith, 1963, Article 7, the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. And it, it's a big paragraph on how the Holy Spirit works to bring us to Christ and helps us understand his word. <clears throat> And then it has this wonderful sentence. The Holy Spirit bestows upon each believer such gifts as he wills for the building up of the body of Christ. I thought that was just a wonderful little summary of what I'm trying to communicate tonight from this chapter. The Holy Spirit bestows upon each believer such gifts as he wills for the building up of the body of Christ. I think every Christian has a number of gifts. Now there may be times in your life that those gifts may be more evident. This morning we heard about Brother Eli Yoder and his 55 years of ministry. I was thinking about him today. What a gift he was to the church. Some of you, probably many of you, uh, knew him all his life. He was such an encourager. He, he was such a communicator, a teacher and a preacher of gospel truth. But right now, as his son Steve wrote, his ministry has changed. Does that mean he still doesn't have gifts to give? No, not at all. Granddaddy. I don't know if he'll listen to this message with his hearing. It's hard to hear. But when I go to talk to him, he ministers such a gift of encouragement to me. It's amazing. Last time I visited with him, I said something about the, the blessing he was to me and to so many people through the years. And he said something like, I just tried to fill my slot. What a beautiful attitude. And so wherever you are, maybe your slot tomorrow is at school. And you have a gift of encouragement for the student that's sitting next to you. Maybe your slot is just going to your routine job. Maybe your slot uh, seems overwhelming tomorrow. Uh, Mondays can be very overwhelming for me because uh, right now I'm doing a hospitalist job that on Monday I usually meet a bunch of new patients, maybe 10 patients, 12 patients, all very sick in the hospital. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around their problems and do something good maybe to encourage them. And, move things in a positive direction. So Monday mornings can be very challenging for me. But it's my job to do what I was reading from a 
Second Corinthians, those of you that work in healthcare, those of you that work with young children at home, a lot of opportunities to show mercy. He that showeth mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. There's nothing so sad as a feeling that you need help and the person that comes to help you looks like they're in worse shape than you are. So cheerfulness sounds like a smile, doesn't it? Sounds like a warm blanket, a cup of cold water. Well, we could read some definitions of some of these gifts. There's a lot of uh, teaching that has happened through the years, maybe not as much in the conservative Mennonite church, but in different churches on these different gifts. And maybe you as young people are thinking about what are, are my gifts? Well, I would encourage you to take every opportunity that you have to serve in different ways. And you'll find that some things perhaps click better. And you'll find that there's people around you that will say, wow, you're doing a great job with that. <clears throat> whether it's teaching, whether it's uh, helping behind the scenes, the gift of helps. Uh, so I would encourage you young people to take every opportunity to serve in different ways. We're all to fill the roles of, of many of these gifts much of the time. If you're a father or a mother, you have as one of your job responsibilities teaching. So we as parents need to really think about how can we communicate truth to our children? We are filling that role of teaching. If we have any sort of money or income coming our way, we all should be fulfilling the role of giving. Some people have maybe a special gift of giving. God's given them extra money or an extra heart to give because Jesus made it clear it's not in the amount. He, he highlighted that widow lady that gave her two mites. And see, he said, she gave more than those other people. So God doesn't measure these gifts the way we measure them. Uh, so I'll read a few definitions here. These come from Brett Eastman. And uh, I had a couple different uh, sources. Uh, Gene Wilkies, these are people that have written and studied uh, some on these gifts. The gift of discernment is the ability to distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, to detect inconsistencies in another's life and confront in love. Wisdom is the ability to understand God's perspective on life situations and share those insights in a simple, understandable way. Knowledge <clears throat> is somewhat similar. The gift of knowledge manifests itself in teaching and training and discipleship. It is the God-given ability to learn, to know, and explain the precious truths of God's Word. I'll tell you what, we as a church are so blessed with people. i just looking at your faces out here. And just this morning, sitting in Sunday school and listening to Ivan teach and, and uh, the discussion of the men in the men's class, it was a great Sunday school class, wasn't it? And then the sermon... As, we, as Pastor Galen uh, was exercising his gifts of knowledge and wisdom and teaching and preaching, opening the scripture to us. What a blessing. Encouragement or exhortation. Possessors of this gift encourage members to be involved and enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. 
They are good counselors and motivate others to service. Teaching. This is the ability to educate God's people by clearly explaining and applying the Bible in a way that causes them to learn. It's the ability to equip and train other believers for ministry, service, or help. This church is full of people. I was thinking about this uh, <clears throat> message and about service and helps and administration, and I was thinking about the uh, the fall festival. I hadn't really gotten very involved in that till this year, and even this year I was just basically eating the food that people prepared and watching the auction. But it was amazing to see how this church body is able to serve in so many different ways to uh, share. Service or help. This is the ability to recognize un unmet needs in the church family and take the initiative to provide practical assistance quickly, cheerfully, and without the need for recognition. Pastoring or shepherding. This is the ability to care for the spiritual needs of a group of believers and equip them for ministry. It's also the ability to nurture a small group of people in spiritual growth. Mercy. This is the ability to manifest practical, compassionate, cheerful love towards suffering members of the body of Christ. Leadership. This is the ability to clarify and communicate the purpose and the direction, the vision of a ministry in a way that attracts others to get involved. Hospitality. This is the ability to make others, especially strangers, feel warmly welcome, accepted and comfortable in the church family, and the ability to coordinate factors that promote fellowship. And 1 Peter 4, there's actually some verses about the gift of hospitality. Giving. This is the ability to generously contribute material resources and or money. And this definition says beyond the 10% tithe so that the church may grow and be strengthened. This is a Baptist man, I think, that's writing this. And the uh, Baptists, many of them, are very strong on teaching the tithe for every Christian and then beyond the tithe. And there's probably people here that believe that too. I, I have no problem with the belief. Uh, I, I read it more in the Old Testament than the New Testament. I think in the New Testament we're to give our whole self to God. And then God will direct different people in the giving of their money. But the tithe is a great place to start. So if you're not regularly giving of your money, and you, uh, young people and children, you have an allowance, your parents will help guide you in it, but giving at least 10% is a great place to start. I had a cousin who was taught by his parents. My parents didn't teach as much how we should give our money, but my cousin's uh, mother was a widow, and money was tight, and they, she taught her children that one-third of your money you give in the offering, one-third you can spend however you want, and one-third you put into savings. That was interesting as a child, kind of looking on. So anyway, there's all different ways that... Uh, Money can be distributed, but it all is God's money. And so, this church is also a blessing in, in, in how they give. So, faith. We're on the definitions. Faith is the ability to trust God for what cannot be seen and act on God's promises, regardless of what the circumstances indicate. Every church needs people with strong faith. And often there's people who are praying. In fact, I'm, through the years in churches, we've been so blessed because there are people 
who are praying. They may not be at the Sunday night service, but they're praying. And I think they're undergirding and building up and giving a gift to the church that is so powerful. Faith includes a willingness to risk failure in pursuit of God-given vision, expecting God to handle the obstacles. Evangelism. This is the ability to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to unbelievers in a positive, non-threatening way and to sense opportunities to share Christ and lead people to respond with faith. Well, there's some more that we could read definitions, but hopefully that gives you a flavor that there's many, many different spiritual gifts that God's given to the church. And we need to stir up the gift that is within us and the gift, like uh, Timothy was told by Paul, stir up the gift that's in you. Don't neglect to uh, give this gift to others. What a shame on Christmas morning if that pile of gifts wasn't distributed. Wouldn't that be an awful shame? Isn't it a bigger shame if uh, those spiritual gifts in a church aren't being shared? Now, gifts are similar, I think, to what Jesus talked about in Matthew, I believe 25, perhaps, about the talents. Different people are given different amounts, and there was one man that buried his talent. And I think the teaching of that uh, parable was that we are not to bury our talent. We are to share our talent, develop our talent. Spiritual gifts and talents are kind of like muscles. If we don't exercise and use them, they will get weaker. So I would just want to encourage myself and each of us, let's be good stewards of the time, talents, and resources that God has given us. Use them for his glory. So we've covered three questions. Who gets the gifts? That's us, every Christian believer. Who gives the gifts? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. What are some of these gifts? And then the last question, how do these gifts work in the church? And that's a huge, huge question that I would like you to study. The last few weeks, as I've been thinking about this message, I have seen some fascinating and amazing things happening, not just with the dis distributing of gifts to the children, but older people, just this week. <clears throat> well, today I mentioned in Sunday school and preaching, I heard some great uh, teaching and wisdom and encouragement. But on Wednesday night, in a small group, we were at a widow, a recent widow's house, and in that group, and there was a few of you here that were there as a small group, before we had prayer time, it was kind of opened up that there could be testimonial prayer requests. And there were two other ladies in that group. Uh, one of them, at least one of them is here tonight. Maybe both are here tonight. They had also been widows. And they didn't realize it. But I think as they were talking together, after they lost their husband. Did you notice how after after my husband died, when I prayed, it was like God was right there. He was so near to me. And the two of those ladies were talking, and the new widow was listening, and the rest of us were listening. And there was some huge encouragement that was going on about how when we pray, God is right there to listen. It was beautiful. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing when people can be sharing their gifts without even realizing that they're doing it.
But we do need to think about if we have something to share. And I would argue that every Christian has gifts to share. We need to just find the right person to get that gift. Sometimes we mismatch gifts. One Christmas, Diane and I sent a big package to a family in another state. And in that package were a bunch of little gifts. Gifts for children. and Some of the gifts came back. Um, didn't feel good. Doesn't feel good when gifts come back. There were some like warm socks or stockings in there. Uh, but there was a little note, something about the colors were too gaudy for what that family was comfortable wearing. So we felt sad about it. But then we thought about another family in a different state that had little children. So we repackaged the gift. We sent it to them and they sent a thank you back that said, our floors are so cold and those socks were just what was needed. Thank you so much. And we just realized that we just had mismatched the gift. And so what can happen is we start feeling terrible, don't we? We maybe give a word of discernment or encouragement or whatever, and the person doesn't seem to receive it. Maybe we just didn't have the right words. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe the right tone. This Christian life and this church experience uh, and family living, church is a family, isn't it? It is challenging. But we should not be discouraged. We should not uh, follow up on thoughts that say, well, I'm never going to talk to them about that again. We just need to, uh, we need to go back to Daddy and say, Daddy, who gets this gift? Is it time to give another gift? Okay, yeah, now you take that gift. That goes to this person. We just need to keep coming to God in prayer. We can pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, Paul writes, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Well, it's time to uh, draw this to a close. I have a few things written on the purpose of the gift. We've talked about it to build up others, it's to glorify God. If you look at verse 12 to 16, I just uh, wrote in the margin of the scriptures there. The gifts are to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. So equipping, building up. Uh, number three, drawing together till we all reach unity in the faith. Uh, knowing Jesus. Number four, we come to a knowledge of the Son of God. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's becoming like Jesus. We're knowing Jesus, becoming like Jesus. And then I love 14, 15, and 16, uh, 14 and 15 about stability in Jesus. We can encourage the faith <clears throat> of each other. And we can help us be stable in Jesus. I love when I hear a Christian say to another one something like, I want to bounce an idea off of you. I heard something recently. I'm not sure. Something doesn't seem right about it. But let me just, but it's kind of troubling me. And then to hear the other Christian 
give him advice. Wonderful stability that we can have as we fellowship together. And then, last of all, I wrote here, growing in love. That's from verse 16. The church is like a human body. The church is also like a building. Every joint, every part is growing and building itself up in love. Well, I'd like to summarize by looking, actually, at First Peter. There's some verses about hospitality there, but there's also some verses about love. And it ends by talking about the glory of God. All praise and all glory for anything that we can do for anyone else. Anything that God does through us is to give him glory. So I'm just, I'd like to close by reading 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, if you want to turn there. I'll be reading from the NIV. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.